0: I've got an incredible episode for you coming up, so make sure to stay seated and listen well. Uh, I'd love to introduce you to today's guest, Sharon Valentini, who is the founder of Sharon's Dot Club. So, Sharon, I believe you're going to take us through some of your uh, most well-known processes, uh, which I have agreed to do the homework to prior to this show being aired so that we could give the audience a real live demonstration of your work.
1: Thank you. Are you ready for this? Put your seatbelt on. <laughs> so in Club, which is an online membership, there's a signature course in there called Blueprint for Stress Release. And this is, Part of lesson one and Gavin has already written a letter to a person who hurt him a lot in life and we're not going to mention any names but he's identified some of the underlying beliefs or limiting beliefs as they're also known and we're going to take one of those beliefs in one situation and I'm going to Invite Gavin to close his eyes if he's comfortable doing so, and I'm going to ask him the questions, and he's just simply going to respond. So, Gavin, out of out of the second part, if you want to identify one emotion and share that with me,
0: um, trusting,
1: trusting, trusting, yeah okay you're a little bit um you, maybe it's on my side I need to turn the volume up a bit okay so what is a specific situation that you can remember where that person made you feel mistrust then would it be mistrust
0: um yes it would be mistrust yeah um that person basically ran out of my life and never came back.
2: Okay.
1: How long ago was this?
0: Um, how long ago? This was...
1: Approximately.
0: Eight years ago, nine years ago.
2: and I'm
1: going to refer to the person as Mm No-Name. Were you living together?
0: Uh, No.
1: Okay, so eight years ago, No-Name ran off and never came back. Yes? Yes. Just jotting it down so I can hold you to it. So in that moment,
2: In addition to mistrust,
1: so at that at that moment, the no name ran off and never came back. What was reflected back to you about you?
0: Interestingly, what sort of came back was that I had done something wrong. So okay. there was guilt. There was shame. There was. Uh,
1: That's just. Start with the done something wrong okay. because that, that's really, that, while that's mistrust, that's also what that person made you feel and that's what we're looking for, done something wrong. So you believed no name, made you feel like you'd done something wrong. How in that moment when you got that belief going on about yourself, did you treat yourself
2: Um,
0: I didn't treat myself lovingly.
2: Uh,
1: So you treated treated yourself unloving? As unloving? Okay. How else did you treat yourself?
0: Um, More like, how did I mistreat myself? (laughs) Um, Yeah, I... I, What's the, the... I was out of alignment, so... I would wobble, and, yeah, I was... Those
1: are, those are things you were doing. Mm-hmm. Those were actually... How were you treating yourself? Were you treating yourself like a victim?
0: I was treating my... Yes, exactly, thinking. You.
1: Were you treating yourself as inferior or superior to no-name?
0: Definitely inferior. Okay.
1: And how... Even in your mind, did you treat no-name when you believed that they made you feel like you'd done something wrong?
0: How did I treat them?
1: Yeah, so if you treated yourself like a victim, how did you treat
0: them? Well, I basically empowered them and treated them still like, you know, lovingly and kindly and caringly.
1: That sounds like how you felt about them in that moment when no name made you feel like you'd done something wrong. Did you treat them like an enemy?
0: No, I did not. Did you
1: treat them as superior to you? And this is even just in your thoughts.
0: Yeah, I guess so, yeah. Inferior, yeah. superior rather.
1: Superior, if you're feeling inferior. If you were feeling like a victim, and what role were they playing?
0: The role of the victor.
1: Were they playing the perpetrator?
0: Mm, maybe.
1: How else did you treat No Name in that time when they, eight years ago, ran off and never came back? Even if it's just I, in your mind. The... I
0: continued to treat them in high regard, which was... A very bizarre thing to do, actually, funny enough.
1: Okay. So, even in your thoughts, you were treating them with high regard, even though you felt like you've done something wrong.
0: Yeah, I just created excuses. I made them up for them. Um, yeah. So,
1: were they a hero role, could do no wrong, a bit of an idol? I
0: don't know about a hero, don't know about an idle but yeah definitely up there somewhere
1: okay so in that moment when what can't you do when you're believing just persons just run off never came back and in that moment what can't you do when you're believing that you've done something
2: wrong What I do. Mm-hmm.
0: With the benefit of hindsight or at the time?
1: No, at the time. What, mm. what can't you do for yourself well, when you're believing that you've done something wrong? Um,
0: well, don't help yourself really.
1: Okay. So you can't help yourself? You can't be there for yourself?
0: Yeah, can't support myself, can't yeah, can love myself.
1: And in that moment, eight years ago, when that person realized that person ran off and they're not coming back, how is your body feeling when you believe that you've done something wrong?
0: I mean, I I, I numbed the body, basically. I numbed the mind as well, to be fair.
1: Any colors associated with that?
0: Brown, green, yeah, dark colors.
1: Any other sensations going on in the body when you believe that you've done something wrong? That's why that person ran off?
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess there's uh, there's tension in the uh, stomach or the mind's working over overloading.
1: How do your shoulders feel and your scalp and your forehead?
0: The definitely feel tense. Um, yeah. The,
1: ten- the t- tension in your stomach, does it have
2: any shape? Uh,
0: I guess it's not like.
1: Okay. Take the guesswork out. What has it cost you over time to believe that you've done something wrong in that situation eight years ago, when None ran off, never came back. What does it cost you all this time to believe that you've done something wrong?
0: Um, cost me new relationships or healthy relationships. Cost me self-confidence.
1: How about trust?
0: Well, yeah, we took the first big one yet, yeah. trust. Uh, definitely trust. Those
2: are the big three. Does it cost you feeling safe?
0: Uh, yes. in relationships, you know.
1: And so, all this time when you've been believing you've done something wrong, what do you get from holding on to I've done something wrong, especially back then eight years ago when Nome ran off and never came back?
0: You get a great big headache, is so what you get. What do you get? <laughs> um,
1: what do you get right now? What do you get from holding on to the thought that you've done something wrong?
0: Um, when you say, what did I get? What, something physical or meaning from it? Or what? Do, you,
1: do you still get to be a victim? Do you get oh. to make no name wrong and you right?
0: Uh, By holding on to it, yeah. Uh, Still play the victim, yeah. Um...
1: And in that situation, when no name ran off, and you had the belief that you had done something wrong. Anything else coming up for what you got from holding on to that thought? How has it served you? We've identified keeping you in a victim mindset.
0: Yeah. Well, a lot of repressed emotions. Um, I'd say slightly withdrawn. Slightly is probably an understatement. Withdrawn.
1: (laughs) So... Picture yourself where you were eight years ago and no name ran off and never came back. In that moment in time, what does your future look like when you believe you've done
2: something wrong?
0: doesn't look great.
1: So what does it look like?
0: It looks like more things are going to appear that I'm going to do wrong.
1: Does it look bleak or happy?
0: Oh, definitely in that stage, it looked bleak.
1: Anything else about how?
0: left disillusioned?
2: Confused. So your future looks confused, desolate.
1: So in that situation, eight years ago, no name ran off, never came back, and they made you feel like you've done something wrong. What's the worst thing that could happen if you are wrong?
0: Um, The worst thing that can happen... In
1: that moment?
0: i was wrong in that moment well then just wasted time and tears
1: okay so you wasted time and then what
0: and then you move on with your life in theory
1: okay and then you move on so no wicked consequences you're blaming yourself you feel like you've done something wrong so you've done something wrong what what be the worst thing that would happen. You, you, wasted, time.
0: Oh, you wasted time. You wasted time. You depress your emotions. Withdraw yourself from intimacy. Um, sorry, I thought you, I thought you said what wouldn't go wrong. No,
1: what's what's the worst thing that could happen if you were wrong? You'd get depressed. depressed. You'd withdraw. Yeah. And then what? You'd withdraw, and then what?
0: Um, Well, it would just get worse, wouldn't it?
1: I don't know. You were telling me what would happen. This is your life. So you're now withdrawn, and then what?
0: Yeah. You'd close off your heart to any other suitors.
1: You. We're talking about you. Yeah.
0: So I, I, I I would close off my heart to any other suitors.
1: Okay, so you close your heart to any other suitors, and then what?
0: And then you live a very isolated life.
1: And then I, I. will live an isolated life. Yeah. And then what?
0: And then what? Yeah, then I would experience... Uh, unfulfillment and uh, unfulfillment or lack of fulfillment.
1: Okay, so what I'm what I'm hearing is that you'd be believing your thoughts, your
2: unquestioned thoughts. Unquest- so- what,
1: what's what's come up is the worst is you're imagining the worst thing that could go wrong are all those things that you just listed and it's like where's your proof right so in your mind's eye view that moment again in great detail
0: um
1: was that person already gone or were you present when they left
0: It was present when they left.
1: Okay, so in your mind's eye, see that person's face, see what they were wearing, whether they were standing or sitting, Mm -hmm. and see yourself, what you were wearing, where you were positioned, and repeat the conversation that was between you two and detach yourself, become an observer in that conversation. Just an outsider observing two people having this conversation. Are you different
2: now? As the
1: observer, do you feel different? Are you looking at things differently? Yes. Okay, so as an observer, as the third party standing outside, describe who you are as the observer of that situation.
0: Uh, Well, impartial.
2: To your guy who's impartial? Yeah. How's your body feeling as an observer? Uh.
0: Feel quite tense actually.
1: Okay. Who else are you as an observer in that situation?
2: Um, are you non judgmental?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Non-judgmental. Non-criticizing,
2: non judgmental. Non criticizing. Just watching two people talking?
0: Pretty much.
1: Do you feel that difference when you're the observer there, just watching two people? You're a man who's watching two people talking. Yeah. So now, let's look at a few different perspectives of that same situation. So we're always going to go back to the original which is done something wrong so take a look at no name didn't make me feel like i i done something wrong mm-hmm. in that situation how could that be true what's well, an example of how that could be true that they didn't make you feel like you've done something wrong
0: Uh, an example would be, uh, well, I mean, it's just the other way around, isn't it? Me making myself wrong.
1: It is ultimately, but in that situation, did they actually say, Gavin, you're wrong? You've done something wrong?
0: Nope.
1: Okay. So that's an example for that. I made no name feel Like they've done something wrong. And even if this is just in your imagination, what's an example of how that could be true?
0: If they had done something wrong?
1: Yeah, I made them feel like they'd done something wrong.
0: Oh. Uh, And so how would they feel?
1: No. What's an example of how you made them feel like they've done something Wrong in your mind? Were you saying nice loving things, or were you got a few swear words going on or hurtful things going on in your mind towards them?
0: I was definitely nice.
1: But how were you feeling inside? Were you making them wrong for leaving
2: yeah. in your mind? Definitely.
1: Yeah.
2: And so Is it possible that you're the one who made yourself feel like you had done something wrong?
0: Yes, entirely possible.
1: And true. And what's an example of, in that moment, how you made yourself feel like you had done something
2: wrong? it
1: this way i made myself feel wrong when
0: i made myself feel like i'd done something wrong when Uh, i made myself feel like i'd done something wrong when i excused their behavior okay when i didn't talk well to myself or about myself
1: Did you blame yourself for that person leaving? Yeah. I made myself feel like I'd done something wrong and I
2: believed it was my fault. It did. Open your eyes now. How did that feel?
0: Um, (laughs) Good
1: did you learn something about yourself out of it?
0: Yes.
1: So that's just the first part of lesson one in Blueprint for Stress Release. There's six lessons total, and each one takes you deeper and the questions are different in each lesson and really open the mind. And and when we think, and I know I guided you a lot in that, only because I'm experienced in it, but to help you see things slightly differently than you've been seeing them. You know, we're the ones who keep ourselves in the victim role, right? Not the other person. We're the one who takes on the blame or shame for what another person has done when what the other person does has nothing to do with us at all, right? Just like like they don't control what we do, yes? And yet it's so easy at times to blame others for how we're feeling or if we're really in the victim role, we do blame a lot. We, We blame, we tend to be people pleasers. (laughs) <laughs> Excuse me. We're always trying to be what we think the other person wants us to be, and we have no idea, do we, what they what they want or expect?
0: No, that's uh, very uh, very poignantly put, uh, Sharon. Um, yeah. So that was such an interesting process. Thank you so much for uh, taking me through it. And thank you for guiding me through it because we would have been here a little bit longer otherwise. Um, (laughs)
1: Thank you for allowing your soul to be bared on the show. That's really kind of you. Uh,
0: I've always placed myself at the centre of inspiring others to change. So if I'm not willing to do it, then I can't expect or ask them to do it. Uh, Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. There's so much... we do like that you know we hear we hear all the time that be in the present moment be in the present moment and one of the reasons that's important and that's just the same as staying mind your own business stay in your own business there are actually three kinds of business there's yours there's mine and there's the divine's and the only time we're ever in trouble even if it's just in our minds, and most of the time that's the only place it's taking, is when we are in somebody else's business. People that we're close to, especially people that we're close to, or work environment, coworkers, et cetera, we get busy thinking we know what's best for them. And how can we possibly know better than they What's best for them? It's like when our parents used to tell us, even though we were adults, how to run a life, how to live our life. You get a bit of resentment there, right? And just as we don't like it, nobody else likes it either. And we cause our own suffering. The, uh, let's say you've done, let's say you're a sports person, and you just uh, let's make it football or let's make it soccer and you've just got five goals by yourself throughout the game and you want all this big reward and glory and everything else and to be pointed out and it doesn't happen they're just like hey good job gavin good job And in your mind, you're like, son of a gun. I was the star. I got us five goals and how dare they and blah, blah, blah. Well, that's just ego running our life at that point. They said, good job. If you're looking for that appreciation and approval and love and like and adoration outside of yourself, you're gonna be aching for the rest of your life because it's not my job to give that to you or my husband's job to give that to me. It's my job to give it to myself. And for somebody who's not familiar with this concept, the invitation would be to think on it because I and you, we're the only people that know exactly what my idea of loving me is. You know, his idea is taking me out for dinner. Mine is the lovely bunch of flowers kind of thing or Um, complimenting what I'm wearing or Actually, he's good about that. Even when I burn the dinner, he tells me it's the best meal he's had all day, so I appreciate that. But you know what I'm saying? It's like we get these stories the only place our life is taking place is in our mind with the stories that we've got going all day that we are oblivious that we're actually doing and then when somebody doesn't live up to our expectation we want to crucify them and it's impossible they can't live up to it's our expectation and when we get those expectations then we really are setting ourselves up for disappointment time and time again you know if something's bothering you about another person you have choices you can either ask them to change it or be okay with it or move on but don't stand there and try and make them miserable just because you're miserable about it right and i think i talked with you before where i've come on my journey um you know i like like so many people i had a very unhappy, very violent, alcoholic parents and sexual abuse and a child that died and lots of that. As I got older and I decided my life really had to radically change and I began what's a seeker or searching, whatever you want to title it. And as I would read and attend courses and do this and that and the other training, I hear different things and it clicked with me and it created an immediate shift in me. And having grown up with with alcoholic parents, I learned very quickly to be a people pleaser, had to keep my mother calm because she was quite violent. And so I learned to do that. And that's simply a form of manipulation. I'm gonna do manipulate this situation so you won't beat the daylights out of me kind of thing. As an adult, looking back on them in my mind's eye, like I put you through, I was able to see the pain and suffering in my mother's own eyes in those drunken moments. And I felt, instead of the hatred I did feel, I felt such compassion in that moment. And I also, thanks to the four agreements, understood that she and my father were doing the best they could in that moment. It's like the serial killer you know, he kills that person and a second later, maybe he's sorry, maybe he's not. But in that demented mind, that's the best he could do. And we don't have to like it or condone it or accept it. Just, well, I should take the word accept back. Accepting takes the stress out, takes the resistance out. How do I know things should have happened the way they do? Because they did. And to argue with that I'm up against reality. I am arguing with what's already happened, it's now in the past, and I keep trying to make it have a different outcome. And we know that story, that's the definition of insanity. I can't change it. The only thing we can change is ourselves. And if we've just hit rock bottom and we are so miserable and so dissatisfied with life, it's because we've got our own baggage that still needs to be cleaned up. And when I say baggage, I'm talking about those beliefs. For most of us, it happens in childhood. You hear mom or dad say or aunt or grandparents say, that's not good enough that's not good enough that's not good enough and eventually that's not good enough turns into I'm not good enough and that takes root and that becomes a driving force in our life I'm not smart enough I'm going to not take on that project at work because I really am scared and the fear is I don't think I'm intelligent enough to do it is that so Do you know for sure you're not intelligent? You haven't even looked at it. Do you know for sure that you could not do that? No, but we allow the fear to paralyze us. You know, when we're in fear in our thoughts and they're always a projection of the future, we're already living the worst thing that could happen in our mind, right? We think we're going to go to a foreign country and we're imagining the tsunami hit and we're washed away and everything. We haven't even gone to the country yet, but you've lived it totally in here. So you may as well go on the trip anyhow because you've already lived through it, right? And I'm making light of it, but I want people to understand the silly things that we, we scare ourselves to death. And that's part of what anxiety is. Those projections of something fearful happening, you're already living it in your thoughts. The depression is rehashing the past over and over. This exercise we just did is such a wonderful way of revisiting the past and then gaining a different perspective on it. It's still the same past, but because you're questioning and looking at things slightly differently, now it doesn't have that power. That depression lifts because that situation was not what you really thought it was in the beginning. That person didn't make you feel like you've done something wrong. You did that to yourself, yes? And, and it might take, you know, it took me 50 odd years to get there. And thank God I did. And I, my goal is to help people now, whatever age and stage they're at in their life, so that they enjoy a peaceful life. You know, people say, I say, what do you want in life? Oh, I'd love a peace. I just want peace. Well, what do you mean you want peace? What does peace mean? What they really want are peaceful thoughts, Right. Absolutely, I think I asked you before: Would you prefer a billion dollars or peaceful thoughts? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> mm.
0: And I think my answer was depends how frequent the non-peaceful. <laughs> people- <laughs> but,
1: but you know, when you really, when you've got peaceful thinking, this you're not worried about. It. Will you have enough money for this? Will you you're you're so confident all those fears are gone. We've always, always, always had enough. We've just wanted more. As my husband says, we're addicted to more, and we are. Um, if you've ever interacted with homeless people, they I'm gonna say they've got it made, but they're not worried about electricity, they're not worried about a water bill, they're not usually worried about food because they're either going to get someone to give it to them and there are businesses that go around just with that purpose um yes and i know on tv shows we've seen them eating out of garbage cans and that's their choice and not everybody who's homeless is has a mental illness they're they're there by circumstances and and they give us Every time we encounter someone homeless, they give us this wonderful opportunity to demonstrate generosity. And most people shy away from that. Ooh, they're homeless. They're but for the grace of the divine, go I, right?
0: Mm, absolutely. I uh, was coming down yesterday from the ski resort, and uh, as I left the village, there was a not-so-well-to-do-looking chap with his thumb out. And uh, I just thought, you know, I'm going down the hill. Why not? So I stopped uh, and gave him a ride down to the uh, bottom of the hill. And, you know, what stops us from doing that more frequently or, or, or ever, I should say? Um, just, you know, offering someone you don't know uh, a hand of support in which, whichever way that might be. Uh, whether it's a meal or some change or a ride doesn't really matter right
1: fear um, we're going to get cooties they might have something we're going to get aren't and again it's the stories that we've got going on in here what if you just saw like you did a person who needed a ride and you gave them a ride no story attached to that right Phila needs a ride come on hop in i'm going that way
0: what's amazing is in my ability to not think in that moment just it's a guy I give him a ride off we go boom whereas you know you gave me that assignment to do and then there was a long time after I'd done the assignment where my mind was just working and all these thoughts were like you know being thrown around and I was like I just wanted the peaceful thoughts you know <laughs> <laughs> Keep your billion dollars. Just give me the piece for
1: <laughs> I love that. And actually, that's good that a lot of thoughts came up because it gave you an opportunity to look and to think some more about the things. And as you get more familiar with the process, you get to a point over time where it's just always working in you. You, you As you let go of the old beliefs, you'll also notice those some of those old friends just... Fade away in in a in a nice way, and it, it's replaced by more like-minded, more like-kind because you're evolving, you're changing. So now you'll begin to attract those different things, and the more you immerse yourself in anything like that, and I know you've done a lot of self-work, too. Surely you've noticed radical changes in yourself.
0: Uh, I have. I've noticed radical radical changes and i tell you what's really funny although not so funny is the one place that i hadn't focused on until recently with regards to mindset was the relationship space and now all of a sudden this has come up on my radar and i'm like oh mindset relationship it's like consuming and consuming and consuming all this information and i can already see The benefits of that you know like one of my clients said to me um i don't know what i'm doing i'm just not making that much progress you know i attended the course i did the homework i'm like okay cool so how long was the course oh it was about four hours long i'm like great and what was the homework like you know how long did it take you oh a couple of hours i'm like so you've done six hours across how long has it been six weeks right so there's your answer like i told you last time we spoke i commit two hours a day to my own personal growth and it's really that dedication that sees the radical changes like you know it's the same as me going to a library and studying for two hours every single day except i'm studying my own self i'm studying my mind I'm studying my actions. I'm studying my reactions. Um, you know, uh, it, it, yes, I've experienced radical change through implementing um, processes and uh, and eliminating processes. Right? It's uh, part of the mindset upgrade. Is the uh, is the download. Of the bad stuff and the upload of the new stuff so yeah definitely i i have yeah
1: yeah. and i just want to for your audience sake and they probably heard this somewhere along the line before with you when today the, the word mindset seems to be a dominant buzzword and when you hear people say we've oh, got to change your mindset what that's really referring to are those underlying beliefs that you don't even know you have going on. They're the ones that we took on as children, the not enoughness things. And through whatever, whether it's Sharon's dot Club, whether it's one-on-ones with you or anybody, even a therapist. Well, nothing gets therapists, my husband is one, but I'm sure Gavin or myself in a couple of hours could do what it would take you seven years with a therapist. You know, I'm, I'm confident on that. I really am. Um, and, and I'm not I'm not a mental health provider, so I don't give diagnosis. And if you have a medical diagnosis, then by all means see a regular therapist. But it's those beliefs that paralyze us. And once you bring all of those up, and I'm sure you've got quite a paragraph of them, yes. And And so the invitation would be on that same situation, work through every one of those, just like we did today. And don't jump to the end, just see what comes up as you're working through them and the examples that come up. And the more you do that, when a belief comes up to be looked at, it's gone like that, unless there's another belief underneath it. And then you'll be digging and you will find those. And it's amazing. The clarity that you get, you know, for for me, if I may use myself as an example for a moment, my father um, molested me when I was eight years old, and because he and my mother, regardless of alcoholics, they'd always drilled into me nobody should ever do that, and da 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 da. So my eight-year-old mind couldn't comprehend how this person that was supposed to take care of me. Could do that, but I felt not in that moment. Later, I fell into a pattern, and then I also had so much shame and self blame around. It was my fault that this happened. If I hadn't been born, it would have never. I could not put the blame on my father. I couldn't put it where it belonged because, like that child mind, couldn't accept my supposed to be protector did that. And as a result of doing these exercises over and over, I was able to look at it so differently. And then back to that point I made earlier, I was able to not certainly not condone it, let go of blaming myself, because it had nothing to do with me, I was an innocent. And I was able to accept that in that moment in time, that was the best he could do had nothing to do with me, but I accept that's who you are, how you are, and you, and you, and you, bye, I want nothing more to do with you. And there's no animosity, there's no ill feelings attached to that. But if I had chosen to forgive them, if I chose to forgive my father, in the back of my mind, I'd always be holding him a mental hostage and keep my suffering alive because I'd be saying, okay, I forgive you, but oh, you SOB, you know, you did this to me. Instead for me to just say, okay, accept that you're a child molester, Eesh, bye, then that's it. It doesn't sit with me, but it's not holding me hostage. It's like, you know, I'm, it's raining outside today. I can't do anything about it. It's that straightforward. It's raining. I accept it's raining. I'm not going to have a temper tantrum about it or blame myself anymore, but When we're young, we tend to do that, and it sticks, and it becomes an unseen pattern in our life until you do something like what you did today and all the other work, bring it up to the surface. And I also believe things don't necessarily come up until they're ready to be looked at, because it'd be like going to that buffet and, oh man, I'm going to eat everything in one sitting while you'd explode, right? So that's a bit like with the emotions too. We can only And you just experienced it. You wrote that letter and for a few days after you had lots of things coming up for you because they were ready to be looked at. So, any other things you want to talk about? Life is good.
0: Life is good. Life is beautiful. Um, Yeah. Uh, Why don't you tell the audience just a little bit more in detail about what lays beyond uh, this exercise in Sharon's Dot Club?
1: Okay. So I used to do one-on-one sessions and I felt so constricted and limited by only working with one person at a time. So it was like, how can I get this out to everybody? So I decided to take that signature course. Well, I created the course and Put it into Sharon's Club. It's a ten dollar a month membership. So in my eyes, give up two cups of coffee or the frappuccino, mocha, whatever kind of thing. You know that'll run you. <coughs> excuse me a little bit. And that course and other courses to keep you moving along the same track are in Sharon's Club. <coughs> ten bucks is not bad. And this way more people can begin to heal their life. But I find it's people who join Sharon's Club, the qualifying factor for them is they've hit rock bottom. They've had enough of whatever their current situation is, and they know in their heart, they absolutely know they deserve better. And that was one of the reasons I, all. it's a culmination of all my life learning, all the things that I went through, um, all the, everything that I imagine people could go through, you can work through it and find peace, peaceful thoughts. You will be able to look at that situation differently. If you have unknowingly, unwittingly been blaming yourself, that will come up and you will see ultimately that it was never about you in that regard what somebody else did, it's you put, you put it right back where it belongs and you start taking responsibility for yourself and how you feel. And in the beginning, it might feel like it's overwhelming. How can I ever? I can't know what anyone is capable of of, and I won't say, oh, if I can do it, anybody can, because I just don't know. What I do know is if you do what Gavin's talking about, what I did, I wrote every morning. I had a book in front of me and I, that became as, actually I did it with a cup of coffee. That was my morning ritual. And then I would go for long walks and those thoughts would be plain. But what was so interesting is the answers so i'm going to quote my husband here if if you have a problem you also have the solution and the only way you can get that solution to come to surface is meditation or reading or writing or doing these this work that's designed to help bring that out and you help flush it out and look at it and sometimes it can be very emotional i mean, no kidding i shed many many tears because what happens is when you find out the truth that it never was your fault now you were never to blame or you are you you've never been unlovable unlikable too short, too tall, too thin, too heavy. You've never been that outside of your mind. You know, if if you think you're fat, it's not you that's fat, it's your thoughts that are fat. It's your thinking process that's fat or, or skinny or ugly. It's you telling it to you and reinforcing it. And today I have a bit of a pet peeve about social media. I'm on it a lot too. But but I know better than to mistake those likes or dislikes as about me. They're about what I've posted. And if they're ugly comments, then that's about the other person, what's going on with them. It's that simple. So these courses are to be self-paced and that doesn't mean drag a six-week course out for six months go through it and go through it again and again and again this is a lifetime membership so long as you keep your membership up so you will have access not only to that there's so many other resources there's other courses there's ebooks in there all designed to to be your support system and as the group continues to grow I will begin introducing live monthly get-togethers for about 90 minutes where you can bring your problem forth and I will facilitate you on it or I will guide you on if you're stuck anywhere how to get yourself unstuck and see it and Gavin I'm going to pick a little bit here. If you were listening, well, Gavin would give some responses. And I said, that's what you do, not what you're feeling. So d- making the distinction there is important. And and when he said you, and I said, no, it's about you, say I, make the I statements, because when we're making the you statements, it's oh it's about them, it's not about me, but it is about me. So keep it where it belongs so that you can feel everything associated with it did that feel different to you by the way gavin when you you change it from you to i or yeah,
0: you uh, yeah, yeah excuse me um Sorry. yeah absolutely i mean i'm so <laughs> it's a bad habit um but i i i, I rarely use i um and i should use it more um Everything should be I. So, yeah, I take full responsibility.
1: Don't shoot on yourself, number one. The other thing Louise Hay said, and I totally agree, remove the word try from vocabulary. We either do it or we don't do it. There's no in between. No trying. It's we do it or we don't do it. It's that simple. But the I thing, again, some of that could come from childhood. I know it was drilled into me not to use I, not to be so self-centered and selfish. And so to take care of myself took a great deal of conscious effort because I felt guilty anytime I did something nice for myself. Now I'd do it for you. I'd give you the last dollars I had, the clothes out of my wardrobe. But to go and buy something for myself or get a manicure or something, I would feel so guilty like I had done something wrong so I can relate to using the word I you have to get a comfort level with taking there's nothing wrong with talking about ourselves once in a while we are our we are our favorite topic after all
0: yeah um I have got in this habit of not using I because when I started uh, my luxury real estate business, people would say to me, Who's in the company? And, you know, I never wanted to be um,
1: a solopreneur.
0: Yeah. So I basically used to say, There's three of us. And when they asked for their names, I would say, Me, myself, and myself.
1: I. I love that. I do too. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's great that's
0: great i've just got in the habit over years it's not a it's not i'm ignoring myself i'm actually trying to make myself the concept of self you know beyond who i am yes um but it doesn't it doesn't empower us to do that it empowers us to take full responsibility and use i yes because that's what you're
1: talking about is yourself
0: right so I, I do it with my team all the time. I'm like, we, 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 and I'm just talking about myself. And I'm, I'm, I'm you always catch yourself? Myself. I am always. know
1: I catch myself. And so I'm not, I'm not knocking it. I mean, in, the invitation is to be more aware of when you're doing that, especially if you're working through programs like this or, you know, I am one and this is what I've created in Sharon's dot club is I've never been fond of somebody saying, oh, you have to love yourself more. You have to get self-confidence. Well, that's wonderful, but how do I do it? So I give the steps, the one, two, three, four of how to get there, how to attain that. Mindset just means your belief system. And we, a belief, of course, is just a thought that you keep thinking over and over and over. And we do so much without conscious thought. It's just habit. And when you start questioning whose beliefs am I operating with today? Is it my nans? Is it my gramps? Is it my parents? Is it my friends? You know, that walking under a ladder is bad luck. Really? Hmm. How many times when we're younger did we avoid that? You break a mirror, seven years, bad luck. I'm doomed for life then. You know, it's just like, shake a chimney sweep saying, good luck. You know, so I used to run around my man's area trying to find a chimney sweep. These So we outgrow those. What makes others stick? Because we hear those more. That's not good. That's not good enough. That's not good enough. Or that's naughty. No, no, that's naughty. That's naughty. Until you believe you're naughty, you're bad. And we just Turn that in our minds and we begin to believe those beliefs that we twisted. It's not necessarily that our parents said it. And I'm not saying that our parents or teachers or peers didn't say, oh, you're bad, because they may have. Somewhere earlier, that got stuck in us. And we then, yep, bring it on. I'm bad. I've got that black cloud. Well, poor me, right? What a victim story I've got going on. And that victim story weighs us down. That prevents us from enjoying life, from feeling relaxed, from showing up as if we're wearing our pajamas, which what I mean by that is that's when we're the most comfortable, right? When you're home and you're chilling and life is good and you are your most true self in that moment. We get up in the morning, if you have an outside job and you dress, you are unconsciously dressing for the people that you think you're going to meet throughout the day. You're not dressing for you. You are doing it for others because you've been taught to look outside of yourself for all that love, approval, appreciation, everything. And we're trained, oh, you want that trophy? If you want that award, you've got to do that. So that is perpetuated that we have to look outside of ourselves. Why can't you just do something nice? Like, well, do something nice like whatever it is, and you don't have to tell people about it. You take satisfaction in knowing that you're doing it. If you have to tell somebody else about it, what are you looking for? Their approval. They're okay. You don't need they're okay. Don't make them more important than yourself.
0: Yeah, I've been good at that. It's a good pattern that one. Um, if you are doing that, then stop it.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, life, it, will,
0: life will change if you can if you can overcome that one thing. I'm telling you, it's massive.
1: Yeah, yeah. When you stop caring about what other people think about you. That's such freedom. Understand you have no control of how somebody perceives you any more than they can control how you perceive them. And I think I shared this together. You know, somebody could come up to me now and tell me that I am the most you are, Sharon, you are a horrible person. And in the past I would have been very reactive to that. Now I can find. Many times I've been a horrible person and I can say, thank you, Gavin, I, I find that. And I appreciate you telling me. You say you want the truth, people, right? You're always saying, tell me the truth. I only want the truth. And yet, are you really ready to receive it? Because for many, they would have you know, been ready to be in the boxing ring over something like that. And then in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, how must I be showing up right now? Because it's an energy thing. How must I be showing up for Gavin to have even been able to perceive me as a horrible person? It's like when you've walked into a room after people have been arguing, they don't have to say anything. The energy in the air is giving off that. Everything is energy. You don't have to take my word for it. Science is already, proving that to be true it's just energy in different forms and when you've walked into where they just had a good belly laugh you can feel that too right and you're suddenly all happy and you don't know why but you're happy right
0: absolutely and who doesn't like being happy
1: yeah love being happy and i create my own happiness
0: that's it yes we do
1: Should
0: we do a kumbaya now? Sure, why not?
1: (laughs) Or if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands, right? There you go. Great song, great song.
0: Um, No, but it's literally as simple as that. You see, I think where we get stuck so often is uh, looking at what we want as opposed to what we actually really need. You know, like if we sang a song right now, we'd be happy. But if we said we want... It means that we don't have something that we don't have and we've got to go and get it. How do we have the means to do that and ask all these questions? And that's a whole lot of effort and uncertainty. Whereas, you know, happiness in the moment has so much more value.
1: It does, it does. I heard something the other day that for sure I'll be using now. And it was the five whys and it went a bit like this. Um, This guy wanted to make a ton of money, really wanted to be a super successful entrepreneur. So the question was, why? And, well, the obvious, because I want to make a lot of money. Why? So I don't have to work as many hours. Why is that important to you? So I can spend more time with my family. Why do you want to spend more time with your family? So I can be a better father bingo, The mo- it wasn't about the money. It was his underlying belief, I'm not a good enough father. He wanted the money because ultimately he thought it would make him a better father. So taking that and asking, where's your proof that you're not a good father? But you see, we think we want something for this reason and we think in the having of it, we'll feel good But we don't know for sure that that's true. It'll be a fleeting moment in our life. What is it you really want? You want those peaceful thoughts. We torment ourselves all day long. Who wouldn't like a load of money? But really, why do you want that load of money? What are you layering it down? Why? because I believe it'll be an easier life. Why do you want an easier life? You know, just work through those whys and you'll come out ultimately to the opposite of what the real underlying belief is. And now you've got something to work on. You know, find a moment when you've, you, you um, what was it that made you believe? What situation made you believe you weren't a great father already? Something got twisted there. So find out when did you first you know, feel that way and use that situation kind of thing it really is simple and and certainly when you know something it's dead easy right but there's a process and it's available to everybody it's you just have to you had you have to have had enough of having enough you just <laughs> have to be so fed up you know that of the way your life is that you're ready to have
0: the life that you've always deserved. I love that. We're going to wrap up. Um, Sharon can be contacted at sharon's dot club. Um, I believe you've also got some social medias: Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram.
1: I do. I'm all over Instagram under Is It True, and Facebook is it true and also blueprint for stress release you can certainly find me on linkedin and let's talk about this little giveaway
0: yeah so um we are coming towards the end of series one and we are uh, celebrating by giving a prize draw to a lucky winner so there's a contest the prize draw consists of every author in the series one that's been a guest uh so there's 20-plus books, and some guests um, have also offered to uh, put in the prize draw their e such as Sharon. Thank you so much for that, Sharon. I can't wait for the prize draw to be done and for the uh, winning participant to get all of that knowledge. Um, I think you guys can see just from Sharon's practice with me today that there's a very real and raw process that can help you cut through stuff that isn't helping you, uh that isn't serving you, and really allow you to get better results in whichever areas you seek. So uh thank you again Sharon for that the ebook in the prize draw. There'll be a link in the show notes to the prize draw. Um, and
1: remodel, remodel your destiny.
0: Yeah exactly.
1: Remodel your destiny.
0: So thank you so much for being here and for giving so much value to our audience, Sharon. Just one last question for us before you go. I said I us instead of I. You see that? Um, what does "stay outstanding" mean to you?
1: I'm sorry, Sarah.
0: What does "stay outstanding" mean to you?
1: Stay outstanding means be the enhanced version of myself at all times. It's not being the best version of myself because that implies I'm not good enough. But you can certainly enhance this version of me. Outstanding means give it my all and do as much service work as I can by helping and making programs like this available.
0: Just be
1: a good human being, decent human being.
0: Uh, indeed. Thank you so much, Sharon. It's been an absolute pleasure.
1: Thank you. It's been my pleasure as
0: well. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed the content and got any value, please do like it, rate it, follow, subscribe, and leave a comment. You'll find us across all the social media channels, YouTube, TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. All the links are in the show notes. It's been my privilege to host you today. I'm Gavin Scott. Until next time, stay outstanding.